Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This episode 136, Fast and Furious Spy Racers, Rio, Lap 7. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by Ehrlich Snaus and his album, Quicksand Memory. Ethereal vocals and guitars that sound as though they're being run through an effects board in heaven create a wash in which Snaus's mastery of texture can shine. This comes recommended to ambient and electronica fans, as well as devotees of My Bloody Valentine and other droning shoegaze acts. Shout out to Ehrlich Schnauss and Quicksand Memories. Well, shout out to him and them and all of that, and welcome to the show. This is, we just talked about this, this season of television, mere days ago, but we are back here to talk about it once again with Nico and Kevo this lap. I don't know, like, what to call these. Like, I'm calling these the lap seven, and whenever we just do it ourselves, it's just nothing, but, like, I don't know if that's right. I mean, it's a weird... My nomenclature makes almost no sense. At least it's kind of sort of consistent, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to say either. When we do, like, when we add in Hobbs and Shaw, was that, like, lap one Hobbs and Shaw or lap no six because like Hobbs we're in lap seven like exactly because yeah, like it, there are other hem uh there are other Fast and Furious podcasts that do like cycle one and cycle, like they do like by cycle and I don't know I don't know if they would I don't know I I would just I would appreciate it if all Fast and Furious content that we would ever get were at like what if we could just like okay what? uh tomorrow we somehow go into the future and we have like eight more Fast and Furious movies but they're like these are the only ones that are ever going to be made okay but we have them all today. Would you make that trade? Or do you like the waiting game, like waiting, like, oh, there's going to be more at some point? If we got them all at once... I and we were the only people in the world who could see them. Well, that would be awful. Like, we couldn't talk about them then. What would it matter? I, I think that I would get burnt out. Like, not burnt out, but, like, it wouldn't be as fun as waiting for a new one and not knowing what the new ones are. Like, if we got, like, a just giant bulk of them, like, I would be really amped for, like, three days. Okay. But then after three days, it would kind of wear off, right? Whereas, like, this way, we can be amped for years. Yeah. So I think that I would take the years. I, I would take the wait. So you prefer the uh, anticipation to the, like, exclusivity. I mean, like, if you offered them to me, there's pretty much nothing I would do that wouldn't get them. I, I'm really bad at, like, waiting and surprises. I'm saying, in theory, I like the idea. Like, I know I would be like, okay, three days later, I'd be like, okay, cool, I saw all of them. But, like, it doesn't matter because who am I going to talk to them, talk about? them with besides you and if we talk about them here it's gonna be like oh we just ruined the whole franchise for everyone and they can't see it i'm trying to think of like there's like a there's a phrase that's like it's like the devil something maybe where just like it's you know this is basically a twilight zone episode it's like you can see every fast and furious movie but you can't talk about them it's like oh no like i you know our live not our livelihood but our livelihood yes you know yeah it's a good would you rather question what's what would be awful is that we can we can allude to it but we can't talk about it we're like oh guys we like people know that we have them but they're like you can't we they can't talk about them like i don't yeah we sound like a super serious nda that they just kill us if we say anything yeah they're like you, you can tell people that you've seen them but you can't tell them a single thing about it and if you tell a single thing about it dead dead, dead. <laughs> just, just you just get fully michelle rodriguez joe extracurricular activities what have you been up to since we last spoke nothing we had a pretty chill week it's starting to get colder here obviously rachel made some delicious um potato soup yesterday Ooh. so that was awesome and we're gonna make a chicken pot pie tonight the other thing that we've been up to I think I've told you about this before, but, you know, we, we watched that show that was my favorite reality show 
back in the day, and it was called The Mole. I told you yes, about this. Yes, we talked about that on here, yep. Okay, so we were, like, bored the other day, and um, we wanted something that's kind of passive, so we started The Amazing Race from Season 1, because it's on Hulu. So, okay, so here's a thing. What? I have never seen The Amazing Race, but Never Not Funny, which I talk about a lot on here, the hosts of that show both love it. Yeah. And they both have young kids. Like, one has a 13-year-old, and one has, like, a... 12 year old and like an eight year old or something and like they all watch it as a family yes i don't remember the exact advice but there's essentially there's good seasons and bad seasons of that so like i think yeah. you can probably google like what good seasons are because like apparently it's very very easy to get burnt out on that because it's the same thing essentially every year but like yep. especially in lockdown the hosts of my favorite podcast have been like very much all about so uh i am not there with you but i'm right there with you yeah so that's what we've been watching it we're just going to go through the regular because you don't have to pay attention to it it's some it's definitely something you could like play on yeah. your phone during it's very weird to watch the first seasons of amazing race now because they were shot you know 20 years ago yeah so there's mm-hmm. like a lot of interesting language that they use on the episodes that definitely oh, really definitely wouldn't be used today people call like calling their partners slurs and like just really you know like lots of hard r's well like you know oh and there's like a lot of weird things like like one like separated couple like he he told her he was gonna like punch her in the head at one point okay and we're like interesting (laughs) we're like wow this would not fly today like do people realize that this is not only on tv but like immortalized for i guess there is like we were talking last episode about how you watching Lost in 2020 is a much more sophisticated TV yes. viewer. Like, reality contestants have become a lot more sophisticated in both good and bad ways. Like, this yes. will never happen, which is good, but it's all, like, artificial and manufactured and, like, oh, like, this is going to be my spinoff. Like, this is going to get me more TikTok followers. It's going to get exactly. me my youth, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's good and bad, but I guess the good outweighs the bad that we don't have this anymore. Yes. So, like, people were, like, very cognizant of them being on TV and that this lasts forever now. But back in the day, they were just, like, doing a game show that was a race and also the editors like leave in like all of this weird so there's like there's like very abusive toxic relationships in the early seasons of amazing race like to the point where like rachel and i are like wow these are like not good situations like somebody needs to rescue this woman from this relationship because like it's not working out like we can just see it so that's that's like the thought experiment we're having while watching it but obviously it's fun and stupid right because you're just you know race point a to point b and you have to do like zip lining or whatever i do think that with all the reality that you watch this isn't something you could passively watch but a show that i think i've maybe talked about on here that nico and i love uh, that we did not watch together i was watching independently and i think I'm, I'm pretty sure i've talked about talked about it on here but the show unreal which is a lifetime original series uh, scripted essentially a bachelor bachelorette oh, no yeah, a, you bat- about this. a bachelor series you're talking about like what editors leave in and stuff like that like it's a very interesting peek behind the curtain of what being a producer on one of these shows is like and how you manufacture trauma and stuff yes. and it's you know very depressing because it becomes a show about mental illness and like power corrupting and everything yes. but like i think that with the more you watch these and the more you think about the behind-the-scenes machinations. The meta-ness of it, yes. yes. I think you would really enjoy it. And if it gets too heavy, then you can just bail. But there's only four seasons, I think. And the heavy stuff really starts happening, like, later on. But especially the first season is kind of like a behind-the-scenes of this. That's all. I mean, that's always what it is, but, like, it gets... You know, as a character's development and everything, it gets really good, but it's also, you know, yeah, heavy. Besides then watching stuff for this, I think that's what we've been up to. And that's like been keeping our main attention because it's like 
so passive to watch in the background. Mm -hmm. We're going to blow through, I'm sure, a bunch of that until I get burnt out on it. Anything else of note or not really? Mm, no, I think that's it. What have you been up to? Playing a lot more Spelunky. I'm still trying to beat it again. I had like five or six great runs yesterday. Never, nothing ever came of it because, you know, the game was all about not dying in stupid ways and dying in stupid ways. That sucks. I was saying to my friend, I'm like, I think it's time for us to like come to terms with the fact that like I'm like top 1% in the world of this game. The difference is that compared to the people who are, like, the best in the world of this game, like, I'm nowhere near them. Yes! Like, there's people who can, like, who make this game their bitch. Yeah. I'm not there, but, like, I am so much better than almost everyone else who has ever played this game. It's just that comparatively to, like, the people that I watch... It's like, oh, yeah, like there's a reason that they have like 10 or 20 or more thousand people watching per stream because they are just able to manipulate the game in a way where it's like it looks effortless. Yes. It's much like, you know, the real world where like you can be in the 1%, but the 0.1% is a leaps and bounds higher than the 1%, right? Like it's that meme that everybody, not maybe meme, but maybe meme that like everybody passes around. It's like, you know, if you're a millionaire, you are so much closer to becoming broken, poor and homeless then you are becoming a billionaire. Yep, you know, about exactly. Like, uh, but in that regard also, I started watching, I watched about a half of it this morning, that video that Dan sent through last episode, Grand Pooh World 2. Yes. It's good. Like, it's. I've seen these before. I think I've seen Grand Pooh World, I don't remember if it was at Games Done Quick or something. Like, I've seen crazy Mario Maker courses, but I've seen these too. This guy plays it every day and he gets better every day and whatever, but like, there's no time to think or to breathe. Like, yep. if you're waiting, like if you're able to stand still in the game, it's because you're waiting for a thing to like come down, like a shell to bounce off a thing. Yep. And like, but so it's not like waiting, it's like waiting so that you don't miss your window to time to jump something that doesn't end your run, right? Exactly. Or end the, so it's never, like your only breathing time is between levels. Like in Spelunky, you can like pause or you can just like sit on a ledge and be like, okay, let me analyze the situation. And like, it's different because like the games almost couldn't be more different because Spelunky is different every time and this yeah. is the same thing. It's just really brutally hard. It's a skill set. Like, I don't know, like Melissa and I joke about because we're still on a crossword streak, and we joke about how, like, we're not getting smarter, we're just getting better at doing the crossword puzzle. Yes. It's not, like, a good skill. Because, like you say, like, whenever you send me the picture, like, they use, like, Yaleys, and it's, like, Eli's, yep. like, a million mm -hmm. times, right? Because it just fits. Yep. So, like, you start to learn all of these patterns, not more words. Exactly. Yeah. So we're not getting smarter, we're just getting better at that. So, like, I don't know if, like, if I'm getting better at video games, or this guy's getting better at video games, or if we're just getting better at Spelunky or Grand Pooh World. But I also don't, don't know that it matters. It's just, like, no. an interesting Whatever makes you kind happy. of thing to think about. Like, yeah. That's so, Dan, thanks again for sending that in, but I've been... Uh, Enjoying it. Like, you know, it's only like a 50 minute thing. So I'm thinking like 22 minutes into his run. I had to pause to do this. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. So I'm going to finish it up, you know, probably tomorrow sometime. Cool. So Joe, we have a Patreon page here on the show. Too fast, too forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Ooh. Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, the aforementioned, Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Just Montez. First one is the $5 level or above. Thank you all so very much. So, Joe, yeah, thank you guys. I have not said this to you yet, but I had an idea. What? So last episode, when we talked about Lost, yes. a big thing happens on Lost, Michelle Rodriguez's character dies. Not really. We bring her back this episode, but go on. Dreamana, yes. <laughs> Which, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, right, like, I forgot that happened. I had an idea, because we were like, should we keep doing loss? Like, it doesn't really make sense. We have this other TV idea, which is more of a, like, I edit, when I edited it out, like, I didn't even say that much, I think. So, like, TV idea is a, is a new thing, right? But okay, I had an idea that I am going to, if it's okay with you, and I think you're going to like this idea, I'm going to ask the patrons which of these two ideas they want us to do. That's 100% perfect. I think that that's a great idea. Whatever they want us to do, uh, we'll do that. I think that that's the, the best way to do it. 
So we're doing dollar, dollar and up, like anybody that's a patron, yeah. I think, votes, yeah. So if you are out there and you either A, want to support us, B, want to uh, know what this idea is, toofasttoforever.com, you also get a voting say. So here's the catch. This episode comes out Tuesday. Next Wednesday is the first episode we're recording where it's either one or the other. So it's like a week. You have a week to vote. I think the default on Patreon is every time I make a post. It emails you. Yes. Vote and decide this one segment, at least, what we're doing with the future of the show. And we can always change it after the fact, but I think, um, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, we'll see. And if, like, hopefully we get enough votes that it's a majority one way or the other. I hope so, yeah. If it's, if it's like, nine, if everybody votes and it's, like, nine, eight, it's like, well, ooh. <laughs> How about, I just keep thinking of, oh, I can't say it. It was related to the TV show that we were thinking about. <laughs> I was going to make a reference to it, so never mind. Well, you know, too fast, too forever.com, even a dollar a month gets you voting privileges in this very important poll. Like, the last poll I did was, like, should we change the release schedule and, like, what I do as the Patreon exclusive or whatever? Yeah. And it was, like, 8 nothing or something, right? Like, when we yep. had, like, fewer Patreons, and I don't think everybody voted, but, like, it was, like, an overwhelming. So, we'll see. I know that Jenny wrote in about Lost, so I'm interested to see, like, based on how she writes this email, what she'll vote for, but we'll find out. Too fast, too forever.com. But, Joe, we also have an email address, family at cageclub.me, and we have three emails. Okay. I'm guessing one's from Jenny. One is from Jenny. But we, have, we have the first two from Wells, email number one and email number two, except email number one I received after email number two. So I'm going to read email number one first, I would imagine. Should you? Or should you go? Oh, no. They, they, came, they only came one minute apart. So I guess just the email goof. Okay, yeah, email okay. number one I'm going to read first. I was really hoping that email number one came like three days later. No, it's it was close. It just, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Wells said, I've had the year of a sports season convo too many times, which I would imagine is the, um, is this the 2020 Super Bowl or is it the 2021 Super Bowl? Yes, right? yes, yes. I just want everybody on the same page. I always tell Niners fans to go look at any flag or banner or shirt and they all say Super Bowl champions 81, 84, 88, 89, 94. Hey, well, stop bragging. Jesus, Vikings 0-4 in Super Bowls. I get what? the Niners have won five. Man, your team doesn't have six? Oof, wow. Just saying? We all need to be on the same page. An NFL season is the year of the regular season. NBA is the year of the finals. Baseball is baseball. And hockey, I'm pretty sure, like the NBA. We can't have people using the wrong year or we'll never know which season anyone's referring to. Exactly. I'm very passionate about getting this message out, LOL. Google, of course, only confuses people. So that's why, like, for, for Super Bowls, I have to do, you to do the numbers, right? That I think that's the most accurate way to do it because football likes to do the beginning of the season year so that's like really dumb so like when i do it i refer to the number so that you know what you're talking about but the year thing for for like super bowl wins is just like stop and like yeah can't we get all on the same page look we were just talking to wes about this in a message utc for everyone i need everybody to switch to calvin temperature and i need everyone to use meters and like, let's just get on the same page, peoples here. Do this the right way. And sports years of championships should be the same thing. We should have a ruling body that comes together and just decides once and for all, and we use that. Well, of those three requests of yours, I feel like one is much more likely than the others, what? and that would be meters. But like, because we're the only ones who don't, right? Like, we're never switching to Kelvin. We're never switching to no. UTC, I don't think. No. Meters we should just give up on. Yeah, I mean, like, miles, oh, yeah. inches, feet, fucking stupid. Also, shout out to Wells. Congratulations on the Lakers championship. Oh, yeah, congrats, dude. I forgot. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been seeing him on Twitter, and good job, man. That's awesome. 
And it looks like they're going to be pretty good for a while. So They're saying that, you know, with LeBron and Anthony Davis coming back, they're going to be even better next year, and they won the championship this year. So, I mean, good luck, everybody else. Yeah, seriously. He says, I'd love, to, I'd love for movie theaters to play old movies. The drive-in was doing at the beginning of the Pandeezy. They'd get all my money. <laughs> well, there you go. Yes. So I decided to skip the episodes I'm behind and save them for later. I'm staying current with you guys now. I think it's for the best. I miss writing in as often as I was. I have so many random pages of notes that I've taken that get lost in my notes app. I've erased most of them because I had no clue what I was talking about, and that makes me kind of sad. I'm sad too, man. I don't like. I don't want to. I don't want to encourage emails of just like one note, but like you know, if you want to just send in one thing, go for it. Family at cageclub.me. You know. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter if there's 20 of them because you're just gonna be like, he said this. Uh, like next email, he said this. Very intense minute. My heart was racing hearing Brian speak with so much urgency. Maybe his prettiness does, in fact, distract me from his furious ferocious 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 acting yeah one of my fave minutes we're getting into like a really good stretch here there's gonna be a lot of more like racing and grinding and grunting for a little bit but we're getting into some really good ones i don't listen like i don't listen to the minute like i don't listen to the minute because i just put it in and i make sure that it fades in and fades out but i don't listen so like i don't have the same experience as even you or anybody who's listening right like oh that's uh... true yeah you do we yeah because we watch it right so and then wells email number two jesse getting click clacked by tran <laughs> is another powerful minute tom i am so scared totally over and i love it <laughs> i miss jesse but at least he got closure unlike old coyotes are us true he says joey sorry about the yankees we both got let down by our teams niners suck and your vikes pissed me off it's ludicrous <laughs> shout out to tej <laughs> How teams always choke to those wankers. I'm honestly not mad at the going for it on fourth down because that's my style, but it was stupid and being up eight means you can't fucking lose. Yes. Don't want to exactly. talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. I hate the sea chickens so much. Yeah. So like, I know that I'm supposed to hate the Packers or the Lions or the Bears the most, but my least favorite team is the Seahawks because like the Vikings constantly cho- choke to the Seahawks. And I don't like that Blair Walsh missed field goal in yep. 2015, 20, like just awful, awful, awful. Yep. Like I made it, my body made a sound that year, that day, that, that kick <laughs> that I've never made before. Cause I was just like. How do you how do you miss that? How do you miss like a what it was like a nineteen yard field like it was whatever. Ugh. Yep, and also you know Wells like really hates the Seahawks like yeah yeah they hate them. I don't mind like the Lions are bad and like the Lions have never been good in my lifetime. I've always enjoyed watching like Calvin Johnson except when he's playing against the Vikings. Yeah, I know I I hate the Packers but like Aaron Rodgers I just have such respect for okay. that he's just so goddamn good and i hate seeing him destroy the vikings but again like it's just like how are you going to keep doing this year over year yes and then i actually do hate the bears like the bears i just i i loathe the bears <laughs> yeah you have these teams yeah i get it you like you have to respect some of them that are like good the ones that you like lose miserably to are really bad at. like i don't know how you feel but like i think you can like you don't have you don't have to even think about the browns like they're just like a, a hot mess yeah the bengals have been terrible for yes. so long like they were shitty and like whenever they played the steelers like they would always be like shitty things that like yeah Vontez perfect and whatever again this might not be how you actually feel but I think from afar you kind of have to respect like, you can hate the Ravens you kind of have to respect the Ravens because like I hate they're the just Ravens. so goddamn good I hate the Ravens I love Lamar though he seems like such like yeah. a good kid right like like he's just like classy and like 
and he, he's handling the pressure well. So, like, I have no problems with Lamar. I hate the Ravens, though. And, like, I really hate the Patriots. And, like, I hate dealing with all these people just, like... Well, yeah. It's so fucking miserable. I, I, but it does, in the same sense, I think Bill Belichick's the fucking genius, and he sold his soul to the devil. He's it. Like, he's the truth, right? Like, I can't argue that he's not the best coach ever, so... But I still hate them, and I hope that they lose every year. I think I'd rather, I'd rather see Tom Brady lose than Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah, no, I think that's the thing. Like, I have no animosity toward the Patriots. I mean, I never really have, but, like, I would much rather root for Belichick and just his patchwork and glue and however (laughs) he's getting by then root for Brady. I always call it the girls field hockey team. Like he seems like he's just like, like not like no offense to girls field hockey teams, but he seems like he's playing with like a group of guys that have barely played the sport before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he has like three, like really good guys. And then like the rest of them, he's just like, who wants to play? And just like pulls out anyone and is like, this is what you're going to do really, really well. And they're like, okay, cool. That I can respect. Where does he get these toys? Yeah. Well says, Joe, your Steelers got her done. I'm so happy for you, but let's get down to what's really important. Lakers, champs. <laughs> Feels good. It makes my shitty Niners dealable. I know you bros aren't big NBA fans, but I know you can't appreciate, or you can appreciate a championship being Yankees and Steelers fans. I love LeBron. LeBron's my favorite player of all time. So I'm right there with you, man. Like I watch Coward. So like I see all the basketball highlights. I don't watch the games live. Yeah, man, it's nuts. 17 years in the league and he's still like a dominant force. You have to, that says something, right? Like you can't. You can't yep. deny that. Like, Tom Brady's forgetting what down it is, and LeBron's winning championships. So, like, it's perfect. This is the most ideal world for me. See, it's not like the Vikings and Indians or Pirates part of you, though. Indians? I don't know. I'm a Vikings fan. You're a Pirates fan. I don't know where the Indians come from. I don't think either of us like the Indians. I think you said that you might have liked the Reds at one point. No, no not the Reds. Not, not Indians hmm. for me, man. Baseball's always been Yankees. Basketball was the Nets until they left New Jersey and then was following LeBron around, and now I like the Pelicans because of Zion. Football's been the it was the Giants in the '90s and the Vikings, and hockey's always been the Devils. So I don't know Indians. No. Penguins win, Steelers win, Pirates suck. Says if the Yankees ever suck real bad, they could tank for a better draft spot. We'd call them the Tankies. <laughs> like tank for Tua, but like the Tankies. Says my bad. It's midnight. I'm smoking a bowl in my car, watching Smart Guy on my iPad. Ooh. Ooh. With Tej Maori? Maybe. He's a. Do you remember Smart Guy? No. He's a smart guy. Do do. Do, 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 do. Was it a Nickelodeon show? Uh, I think so. Disney, or maybe early Disney. I feel like maybe I remember it now. He was just, it was Tej Maori, so like T and Tamara's little brother. Yeah. And it was just him about how he was just a smart kid. I don't remember anything else about it beyond that. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. He's like a very small child in high school. I do remember Yes. That. That's right. Yes. Like instead of him going to college, like he's in high school and like has to deal with like high school things as like an eight-year-old. Yep. Yeah. It popped in my head, which means someone else had to hear it. Well, I just did it, and so now everybody else hears it, too. The <laughs> Pangolins, as well, I'm pretty sure they won a Stanley Cup or two yes, recently. they have. They have. They've won two back-to-back a couple years ago. And hopefully, again, if they stop drafting fucking goalies. <laughs> he says, that's crazy about the Toretto house being blurred on Google Earth, because I have Google Earth at hella times, and it was never blurred. It must have happened in the last year or so. Ooh. Franchise is growing so much and still gaining new fans every day, apparently. Pretty cool. Well, listen to our show, new fans that are joining the franchise. We're there, yeah. If you, if you got the if you got the house blurred on Google Maps, please write in, family at cageclub.me. Yeah. If you were the cause of it, like if you wrote to Google to ban it, <laughs> tell and, and then tell Wes how you got a company to respond to you since IMDb doesn't listen to him. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, says, haven't watched a fast movie in a while. Think it's time to run through them again and get back to business. Okay, bros, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Wells. Hopefully, we keep talking to you soon. I always enjoy your emails, brother. You know that. And our last email from Jenny McMullen, subject line, Lost and Bigfoot. Bigfoot? Were we talking uh-huh. about Hi, guys. Just pulled off the interstate on my way home <coughs> to send my vote in for little Lost updates during extracurricular activities. Ooh. You could also binge it a little faster and furiouser. I'm glad you're doing it. Spoil the fuck out of it all the way. I've always wondered how it ends. So I guess ah. based on this, she's going to vote on that, but we'll see. I mean, she doesn't know the other idea yet, so, you know, we'll true. go for True, true, very true. Oh, as far as Monster Truck goes, I remember Bigfoot as the first major one, mm. but Gravedigger became more famous and popular. I've even been to see the lower tier Monster Truck jams a couple times. I think oh, the Captain cool. America one was at least at one. Oh, that's Gotta get cool. back on the road to listen to the rest of the episode later, Jenny. Well, thank you for writing in, Jenny. And see, she knows Monster Truck to Gravedigger. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Well, thank you both for writing in, for Wells and for Jenny writing in. Family at cageclub.me. If you want to send the note in, just say hello. Please. Joe, on the streets, any Fast and Furious news since we last spoke? No, none. Absolutely none, actually. Like, not even, like, fringe slash film did you know what Dom does in this movie once. Cool. Well, then let's move on right to the Ana Lucia Cortez Leticia Ortiz Lost for a Minute episode question mark. So before we get started, I meant to say this last episode and I forgot, but they just had a 10-year retrospective panel at Comic-Con. Oh, cool. For Lost. Because it ended 10 years ago. Yep. So they had Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof there. There, I mean, there's stuff that I'm not going to say because it's spoilery, but I will say that they talked about comparing it to today, which is something that we've kind of talked about on here, yes, right? And yeah. about how uh, the way that it would be different today, the reverse of the way that it would be then. And like they were saying, in the scripts, there were a lot of F-words, like a lot of fucks, but they had to edit them out, obviously, for ABC. But they said if it was today, there would be a lot more language. Maybe not on ABC, but I don't think this show would be on ABC. I think it would be on HBO. somewhere else, right? Or probably some streaming. I don't know, right? Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. They have a lot more language and they also said that the other really big change is that they were so and you can watch it and you can see it. i mean this is just how this show feels and how every show was but they wrote to the commercial break to the act break so often yes so like you would you would watch and you'd be like oh my god can you believe that commercial or like the end of yep. the episode or whatever right they put like mini cliffhangers in the middle yes while that is still the case, that's not, you know, streaming services don't have commercials, right? So, like, people don't write like that anymore. But, like, I'm watching this on Hulu, so it, like, matches it because there obviously are commercial breaks, right? Oh, bro, you got a, you got a pony up for the ad-free Hulu. Whew, hey, man, yourself. I'm not even using my own Hulu, so beggars can't be choosers here, right? I guess so. What am I going to do? Call Kevin and be like, go up your fucking subscription for me? <laughs> like, I don't even think he uses it. <laughs> like, it's just us. So, like, yes, that is an interesting thing, because there's definitely, like, a lot of shows... You can feel this in Sopranos, right? Like, that even though it was on HBO, there was no commercials at the time, so it doesn't feel like there's commercial breaks in it. So, like, if you watch it on... Right, that's that's, that's what I mean. Like, that's what he's saying, too, right? Yeah. Like, it's now with the bulk of these shows being written for, you know, Netflix or for Hulu Originals or for Prime or for whatever, like... You don't have to write for a commercial break. Exactly. 
That's very interesting. So. I wonder how it would change the show. It would be paced way different, I think. There would be less artificial tension. Like, it wouldn't feel like it would be like, huh, huh, huh. Like, the whole t- like the whole time you just keep rising in an episode, then you're like, whoa. Yep. And then, like, you start yes. at the bottom again. So, okay, so question mark. Uh, what did you think of this episode? We have a little bit more Anna. We have ghost Anna in the beginning, which I forgot it happened ghost until girl. I saw it. I was like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, of course. What did you think of this episode? I thought this was a really good one. I'm I'm getting excited. I, would you say we have, like, one more left? Two more left? We have two more this season. Okay, yeah. It's doing It's not great. a two more. So this one, like, starts out with, like, Mr. Echo has a dream, and he sees Anna in it, and she's like, you have to go find Locke. And then yep. he has a dream where he sees his brother, and his brother's like, go f- help Locke and find out what the question mark means. He's not going to tell you, so force him to tell you. So everybody's, like, kind of, like, dealing with shit. Libby's, like, you know, half dead. Jack's trying to revive her. Michael's pretending like he got shot by the guy. Who is gone now. Who's he is gone. Left. Yeah, he left. He escaped. So, like, that whole thing's, like, Hurley, like, comes in and's like, where's Libby at? And, like, everybody's like, well, she's fucking almost dead. She's, like, half dead. Jack's like, give me the heroin. So, like, Sawyer goes and gets the heroin to, like, you know, help Libby so she's not, like, you know, in pain the whole time. Hurley does, like, the sweetest thing ever. He's like, like, I'm glad you're okay, Michael. Sucks that she died. And Michael's like, fuck. But I was, like, talking to Rachel when I was, like, watching that part. As much as it sucks that he, like, shot Libby and Anna Lucia, if the choice was, like, two strangers on an island or my son, which, because I'm, like, assuming that he did this to get Walt back somehow. Again, yeah, that's what, that's what you imagine, but they have not played that yet. No, they, ha- they haven't, they have we don't know. Either way, right, they have yes. not said. I'm just guessing that this, the, the, the motivation for shooting two people that he's, like, he was, like, never, like, violent to the people that are on the island like unprovoked right so i'm assuming that he shot them to get his son back somehow and in that case i'm like shoot two strangers on an island and get your son back fuck yeah i'd do that you can't fault him for like trying to save his actual family yeah i get that but at the same time like and again i don't want to get into like yeah. what family is but like this is a found family it's not like he was a like not because of him but he he didn't like like walt didn't grow up with him so like he you know he and walt aren't super close like yeah it's yeah. his son but it's also like he might he might know these people better i mean maybe not Anna, maybe not libby but like he knows people on the island probably better than he knows walt i i don't have this experience because i don't have children but i'm fairly sure that there's like this grave parental instinct that kicks in that's like mother bear protecting her cubs type situation that like that you're like i will do anything to save my bloodline biological right like you're just like this is what so that's why i'm like saying like if this is the case i don't know in that case i'm like it sucks and like you probably shouldn't have shot them to kill them like you could have like you know grazed the both of them and let this guy go but you'd have to like figure out your story or whatever that's also weird because he could just be like hey jack like jack sorry i had to let this guy go they said they'd give me my son back but the other wrinkle can you trust the others no but you have to make the like if you were a father and son like if that's your kid you'd have to like try that's what i'm saying like i understand his motivations if his motivations are to get his son back i fully confirm that like it sucks and you did shitty things but like i get it right yeah in the same sense like if i like like if somebody was like holding rachel hostage and they're like go shoot this person i'd be like yeah fuck yeah who whatever like it sucks but that's what you got to do mr echo's like come on let's go find the guy Locke, and like and lock has his crutches still and he's like sure cool so they like go wandering out and he's like I'm not here to find the guy. Like, tell me what the fuck the question mark is. And Locke's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, bonk, and just hits him on the head. (laughs) 
he like wakes up and he's like why'd you do that he was like you were being difficult so he's like okay tell me what the question mark is and he's like i don't know what the question mark is he's like fuck it tell me he's like okay cool he hands him this like the drawing that was like the on the wall right like the black light drawing when the thing came down echo figures it out really quickly for Locke not figuring it out he's like oh yeah look this is the river this is the fucking tree this is the thing and Locke's like how do you know it's a map and he's like you fucking drew it like look at like here and I'm like, Locke, come on, man, for putting everything together, why are you so slacky here? Oh, we have another Letty funeral at some point in the middle here. And I'm like, fuck, man, we've seen Michelle Rodriguez die so many times. Yep. Like, she's like a character that we get, like, funerals for, like, multiple times. And she always comes back. How many times have we seen her come back now, too? Well, I will say she will come back in this show, but it's at the very, very end. And I don't remember the context, but so she'll kind of come back. But she's she's effectively gone from the show. So it's not going to happen again. Like, they're just setting you up for no expectations. No, I know. You, like, you guys told me she was dead. We were only doing seasons one and two. Like, I get it. Every time we see her die in an acting role, like, she's always in the next thing. Yeah. It's in some form. Either she's, like, revived or she was in a dream or, like, they, they don't get rid of her permanently. Like, she still comes back for some reason and it's weird. A lot of actors, we see them and they're like, okay, they're dead. And they're like, they're dead, right? Like, she just yep. keeps re-coming back. Locke and Mr. Echo are, like, wandering through the woods after he bonked them and they stumble upon the plane. Also, if somebody comes up to you in a dream, somebody's like, I had a dream. I know what you're like. I know all these things about something that you're hiding. And you're like, oh, yeah, that would make no fucking sense why you would know that. So like him coming up to him and be like, what's the fucking question mark about? And he'd be like, what are you talking about? You're like, no, dude, this dude knows somehow. They're like, OK, we're going to camp out here by the plane, like where his brother died, whatever. And Locke wakes up again. He had a dream that he saw his brother told him to climb up the side of the fucking vines thing. Like he like wakes up like, oh, Mr. Echo's like, you had a dream. You saw my brother. He was a priest. And. And Locke's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, come on, man. Like, can we stop fucking playing this game? Like, I obviously know what happened. And he's like, okay, cool. So he climbs up, he looks down, and what do you see? A giant question mark. Yep. By the way, Mr. Echo climbs up with the axe. Why? Like, it's kind of like ice climbing, but kind of not really. Like, don't you think it'd have been a lot easier for him to climb up without the axe? Well, his brother said bring the axe. He doesn't know what the axe is for. And like, you know, it's risky climbing up there. You might as well climb up with the axe in case you need the axe atop the mountain. Yeah, but like, wouldn't you have like strapped it in the back of your pants or something as opposed to like using it as one of your arms? I I can't imagine that an axe would be like a good thing to hit into a rock. I feel like this in this situation, and most of this show is kind of like in the Matrix revolutions one of the sequels i think where they're like how do you know it worked is like because we're still here like i wouldn't i don't doubt anything that mr echo does because like everything that he's doing is exactly what he needs to be doing okay because they're still alive that's fair until it's not fair right like that works until it doesn't so he climbs back down and he's like come on help me they move the plane he digs they find another hatch this is a weird scene why they wrote this scene i have no idea but like mr echo's about to open it in locks like no let me please and he's like sure did you just like let him unwrap your birthday present like what the fuck was the point he's like so bonered on doors that he doesn't know where they go he like he's like oh like i can't open like and he's like here's the axe and like uses the axe to untwist it to get in there that's what he needs the axe for finally my fucking theory is proven right at least i think as of now well that's what i'm saying okay i i cannot confirm or deny but uh as i will say there is always more than you imagine exactly 
So they go down there, they find this like security room essentially. There's like all these different screens. They see Yeah, this Jack. hatch is the pearl. Yeah, this hatch is the pearl. I think our hatch is the swan, I think. I think that sounds about right. I think that they mentioned that at some point. They I think they mentioned that in the video that they watched there, like the the microfilm that mm-hmm. they had to run through. Watch a video and he's like, This is the pearl and like all you're doing is making sure that like the other guys are like doing their job. They think it's really important. You don't need to know what they're doing, but they think it's really important write down what they do and put it in the vacuum tube and send it up but like come on like uh, at least like i got like to this point right like i think it's like a experiment it's like a psychological experiment that they were doing to make sure that they keep pushing the button because that's what it kind of seems like to me and then they're like oh you spent two weeks here and then you get fucking sent out locks like everything i was doing was fucking bullshit like why am i still pressing this button and mr echo's like i'm on this island we found my brother's dead body on this island we came from like two completely different places like he led me to here i found his necklace the planes above us something is connected here whatever you're not like whatever you think you're not doing you're fine keep doing it and if you don't push the button i'll push the button but like we know that like the hatch did something right so this is a mr echo background story and like the whole point is He's a priest. He's pretending to be a priest. This girl drowns, but, like, came back to life. And he's, like, trying to, like, investigate this, right? To see if it's a miracle or not. He goes and, like, visits them. And then, like, he visits, like, the coroner. He's, like, here, listen to the tape. And the girl came alive on the table. But what happens is when he goes to the house, it's the psychic that's Claire's psychic. And he's, like, I'm a fraud. Like, I just make shit up. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. I'm full of shit. Which we knew. We knew he was a fraud. Like, we knew that he was scummy. We knew that he was scummy, but, like, he was right to put her on this flight right so like something happened he didn't like pick this i mean did he want for her to go to the island i mean it's too coincidental for him to like there's some there's something there i think what we knew i think what we knew back in the day was that he wanted like there's just some family in america that was going to pay him yes and so he just wanted to get claire to america and i think it was just no no but he said you have to take this flight when he was talking to her he was like you have to take like this specific flight and like put her on like but i still think it's like more like uh he's selling off the baby yeah okay oh at the end of the episode the computer is beeping but uh and michael Michael looks at it i guess i guess he's trying to see if like if walt is texting him again aiming him through the he's not he's not i thought he was gonna be like yo and i was like whoa but it doesn't he doesn't say anything i like that only michael uses this as like a text app well because he's nobody's supposed to i mean they they watched the orientation video that was like hey don't use this for anything else and he's like yeah you know but i'm saying like how are they all connected and like nobody else sees them typing the numbers like what's the command to run the the chat function nobody knows that's what I'm trying to say. It's like not even in the chat app. No, it just shows up. It's just like an external hack, I guess. Yeah, so so how does fucking Walt know this on the other side of the island? Is he just like a super genius hacker child that he's like, oh, I'm just sending this out to my dad. I will say there's only one other thing that's not really about this episode, but so the Pearl, which is the question mark, is just the Dharma logo with nothing, with no symbol, right? It's just the white, right? Yes. When I was in college and I was getting all sorts of music from friends and everything like that, and, you know, it's like pre-Spotify, but like, oh, I want to have all this music. Like, I was very meticulous, as you can imagine, about, like, keeping track of my music library. But I, if, if I had a song that's from an album that was the only song in that album in my library, I didn't want, like, a lot, because I sort of buy albums or whatever, and so I didn't want just, like, this one random thing or whatever that was just, like, one song in an album. Like so what single. I would do is i just say, I would say unknown album but the album art quote-unquote album art i would use for that was the 
Dharma logo, the Pearl logo, because I was like, oh, it's a question mark to me. I don't know what album this is. Yes. My question mark, my unknown album, album art was the Dharma Pearl logo. So that's what this that's really uh, cool. episode inspired me to do that. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Just like a weird, like a little very nerdy thing that I uh, that I use. But yeah, Locke is the the believer of the group, right? But there's one person who's even more of a believer than he is, and it's Mr. Echo. So he, you know, yes. pales in comparison or whatever, right? So, yeah. Yeah, he's like a priest and mythical, so, yeah. Yep. So our next episode is called Three Minutes, and I think I think it's a Michael episode. That'd be kind of cool. I could use a Michael episode. He was gone most of the season, so that makes sense to me. Don't tell me, but I wonder if it flashes back to the time that he's with the others, like a current flashback or like a flashback flashback. I don't remember. I, I think I know one way or the other, but I don't remember for sure, so I couldn't even tell you one way or the other. Totally fair. Makes sense. We have three minutes and then live together, die alone. So, like I said before, if you want us to keep going with Lost, TooFastTooForever.com, you can help us decide what we do next. But Joe, one one more thing to do before I take a break is the Fast and the Furious Minute. I changed the title. I was re- I originally called it Drift Tap, which is essentially what Dom does. Yeah. Because there is a Kate Bush song called Running Up That Hill, parenthetical, A Deal With God. So I changed it now to Minute 94, Riding Up That Hill, parenthetical, A Deal With Dom. Brian chases Johnny Tran and Lance down the hill and shoots at them with a pistol. Lance goes high to low to high. Actually, it's not really a hill. It's like the street, but it's yes. like the, the hilly street. It's it's a um, Michelada Street. Oh, Michelle Michelle Terea or whatever. <laughs> Michelle Terea, yeah. So Brian chases Johnny Tran and Lance down the hilly street and shoots at them with a pistol. Lance goes high to low to high up and down a hill to get behind Brian. Dom appears out of nowhere to cut off Lance and hit with the car's tail end. Lance flies off a hill and lands in a heap as he tumbles past his bike. Yes. So I think there's not much that goes on because, I mean, that's like what I described as kind of, you know, Brian fires his gun three times, I think. And the only real thing of note that I wanted to point out is that something we were tracking last lap with... um, Car movies. Car movies, yeah, with the high and low. And like, I'm thinking specifically of Death Proof. But that was in every movie. But yeah, it's, it's unusual, I think, that a car or a vehicle starts high, goes low, and then comes back. It's sort of like you're doing it to escape or whatever, but but Lance is like, no, I'm going to get behind him. So I think that I think that was kind of a pretty cool, pretty cool move. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So what did you notice this minute? Because there's not a ton that's uh, going on. The main sign that you see is Effie Street, and I put that in signs. Um, if you click there, that's the shot that you see right before Brian comes down on that corner right there with the stop sign, and he blows by, whatever, whatever. So I was trying to find the hill, obviously, where they like kind of jump, and I couldn't find any documentation of it. You know, like I went to like all the movie location sites. Nobody really has it. It's in the same neighborhood, and I even walked around the fucking neighborhood for an hour on Google Maps to try to find out like where he like gets on this jump, but like 
the neighborhood has changed, so I don't know if it's like where houses are now. Because it's like, it's like hills and stuff. But the cool part of that that I want to tell you, in movie magic, they're going down that hill. And if they go down that hill, they're nowhere near a going uphill part again. Okay. So like either you miss like three minutes of the chase between like them coming down the hill and like them going up the hill or like something weird happened. They're coming and going essentially the same way. Like they come down the hill and then they have to go back up the hill, but they're going the wrong direction when they're coming down. So it's not really a goof or like a mishap or anything. It's just... No, that's just like what studios do. Exactly. It's It's like, oh, how... Like when people are driving around New York, it's like, well, how did you get... How'd you get from Times Square to Brooklyn in four minutes? It's like exactly. that. Exactly. But like it just it makes sense for the story or whatever, right? It so, makes yeah. sense for the story and it's also way more interesting to to see them going uphill or downhill. As opposed to just like driving straight through the streets and like the parts that they get to are like intersections and stuff, which I'm sure are like harder to block off, less interesting for them to drive through. Like instead of like back streets, it's like you know, a real boulevard. I was wandering around there. There's like a reservoir and a dog park and stuff. So it could have been one of these places. Like there might not have been a dog park at the time. Dog parks kind of seem like a newer invention. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder, I mean, I've, I've never like had 20 a dog. years ago versus now. LA might be different though. I feel like if, yeah. if anywhere had dog parks early, it would have been LA. That's fair. That's, that's a good point. But so I can't find out where that is but i do know where the next scene is and i already sent it to you and i think it's a cool thing so yeah that was pretty much it for my version of the minute any other notes to add or no no we don't even like we see we see brian's car dom's car and the two motorcycles that's it there's not even like really cars that they pass and stuff it's like mainly focused on them so i wish we could see like the the route that dom takes to get here you know what i mean yeah that would be cool but it's not far from their house you know that right like we were like in the same neighborhood so it's like he could have taken any route there's like a bunch of fucking streets there. I don't know if you like looked at the actual map, but it's just like chaos. No, I didn't look at the actual. No, that. But that. I guess that makes sense. Like, yeah, if you like zoom out, like go look at that area. It's like a bunch of shit that's like intertwined and like a ton of little one-way streets and stuff. So. So now for the trivia question, this is tough. I don't. I don't have a great. I don't have a great option for this because again i don't know there's a lot of new information here no but i was thinking we could just ask a question like and i don't know if this is a great question what color is lance's bike oh red it's red or orange it's red i think it's red. okay do you think because i i don't know what else to ask yeah and i think he might actually have a different color bike when they're doing it earlier in the movie i think he has a different motorcycle well we could say in the final chase of the movie yes what color is lance's bike yeah like or when lance gets thrown off his bike so we could say black red blue white, yellow there's a blue one at the beginning of the movie so what should i say what color should i or should i just have a fifth option yellow is a good choice blue definitely needs to be in there i would get rid of white maybe you don't need it okay. minute 94 riding up that hill a deal with dom what color is lance's bike black blue red or yellow and the answer is red i need to, i need to change the question though. hold on in the final chase scene what color is Lance's bike? Yes, because here's the picture of him when they pull up, when they get Brian's, when they shoot up the eclipse, there's the scene where they're like by the statues and they first yep. meet them. Mm-hmm. It looks like, if you look at this picture, it looks like Lance came off the blue Yamaha. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he did have a blue bike earlier in the thing. So like, just for clarity. In the final chase scene, what color is Lance's bike? Yeah. So pop quiz for you, in that scene, do you remember who the statue was of? Confucius. Just tra- just checking. Just making sure. Uh, dude, I'm on it, man. We're, we've done this way too many times. Well, let us take a break and let us bring in Nico and Kevo to talk about Fast and Furious Spy Racers Rio and see how they feel about season two. Ooh.
forever. This is episode number 136, Spy Racers Rio. This episode is brought to you by Ehrlich Schnauss and his 2007 four-song EP, Quicksand Memory. Four years after the release of a of allotted, a strangely isolated place, German producer Ehrlich Schnauss returned in 2007 with a four-song EP entitled Quicksand Memory. Shout out to Ehrlich Schnauss. And shout out to Discogs.com where you can buy this from $4.52. I mean, if you want some electronic rock music, go get Ehrlich Schnauss's Quicksand Memory. Exactly. Well, welcome back to the show, and welcome back to the show to you two, not only just to the listeners, but to you two as well. What you did not know, because the episode is not out yet, and I also have barred you both from listening to episodes that you're not on. Joe is obsessed with quicksand for weird internet porn fetish reasons. Not fetishes not my that, he fetish. that he's obsessed with on the internet. So we had a long conversation last episode about quicksand. But welcome back to the show to talk about quicksand fetishes, maybe. Nico Vasillo and Kevo Reese. Hello, guys. Hey there. Hello. So, okay, I want to tell a quick story, but it's not like an important story, so you should totally cut it. <laughs> so I had a friend, and one time they were like, oh, come over whenever. Just knock on the door. My mama let you in. I'm going to be in the shower. But, like, this is one of my closest oldest friends i was like oh i mean that that this, that was not the first time he had ever said that to me like via aim instant message yep and was like yeah just when you get here just let yourself you know just knock on the door my mom will let you in it's no big deal so i get there and i'm hanging out in his room and i'm like i feel really weird being in his room because he's gonna come out of the shower and he's gonna go to get dressed in his room i know yeah. so i say to his mom i'm like ms blank i'm gonna hang out in the office she was like oh wherever you want to be babe whatever that's fine because like you know she'd known me since i was six i go in the office and I'm in the office and I'm spinning in the chair for a few seconds. And then my foot accidentally hits the desk in a way that shakes the mouse in a way that unscreen savers uh, uh, the computer. As I'm about to look, friend comes charging in and goes, no, and <laughs> yanks the plug out of the wall <laughs> and says, I really expected you to be in my bedroom. I got dressed in the bathroom. There are things between us you don't need to know on that screen. And I was like, okay, well, I'll tell you what my porn thing is if you tell me what yours is. And his response was, I promise you, you'll just feel bad for me. So let's not do this. Seven out of ten times, that means clown porn. Oh, Ooh, boy. There was this weird, like, vice, and it was just a special about these, these people that have a quicksand fetish. And this was something that my brain never even thought existed and so there's a lot of quicksand in season two of spy racers and every time i see quicksand now i think about these people that like shoot this custom quicksand porn for other people in like how small how big can this niche be i don't understand it so i'm just very fascinated with the idea of quicksand porn there's fetishes that surprise me but that's one where now that you've said it i'm like yeah okay i'm not into it but i can see where that somehow became a thing that's one of those things that was in cartoons way too much when we were little so it really imprinted on us Yep. It goes back to this argument that I used to make, and I probably made it on this show too. There's that Old Spice ad with the centaur. And I'm like, yep, nope, this fucked a lot of dudes up. <laughs> yep. It's a real sexy centaur in the shower, horse dick, hairy chests. <laughs> and I'm sure there are some people that are into mixing energy beverages with monkey pee to bring us back to the yes. subject at hand. Oh, no, don't have to, you don't have to bring us back because I'm cutting all of that. Because like that, we're not starting with four and a half minutes of like, oh, you finished. <laughs> yeah, come on. How Kevo are you just, that? Kevo just did his shoulder roll and went, oh, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could. You want me to? Yes. 
That is gold. And I even made sure not to say the person's name so that there couldn't be a problem. Well, you led the story off with, quick story, cut this, and then we <laughs> went from there. It's part of the appeal. Ha! Anyway, yes, thank Kevo, thank you for bringing us back on track with Monkey P. With Monkey Welcome P. Welcome back to Fast and Furious Spy Racers Rio. We just talked about this. Our last episode was about the show. It was just me and Joe. So now we are bringing you in. This is the earliest, I think the quickest turnaround we've ever had in the history of this young program on getting outside experts now newly found experts i would i would call you experts yeah on the fast and furious franchise what you think about this so i hope you feel honored and special and privileged that you are here so quickly to talk about the latest and greatest in the fast and furious canon as a white passing heteronormative cis person even in a polygay relationship i do feel like i have extreme privilege i also feel like that's something I should apologize for. So thank you for bringing up my privilege so I can apologize for it. <laughs> well, you're welcome, and thank you. It's accepted. <laughs> thank you, fellow white person. Thank you for, you know, aren't we really the, we're the worst. My dad actually said to me yesterday, he, out of nowhere, he goes, you must feel bad that you're like a white looking guy. And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I was, I was kidding. And I was like, I'm not. This is my discourse. Well, here we are talking Here's about quicksand porn and cartoons. Okay, okay. So like we had <laughs> This is already so we off had, the rails. Uh, Don't one of our monkey. listeners, Wes, messaged us after he listened to our last episode with you guys and was like, I would really love someone involved in the show to listen to that episode. Now we're starting off this with like it just like what, I, I don't know, man. I just don't know. Is that, that you do what you happens. have to do, Joseph. I guess so. Well, I, I know it's not possible, right? Unless it is some sort of and I can say it this way without getting myself in any trouble, but unless it's some sort of Hill House Bly situation, I know this can't be what happened, but I swear to God, we recorded our episode Two days or something before season two came out. Yep. And yep. somehow they addressed every goddamn thing in our recording. We've sort of joked before that like they're they're listening to us because like a lot of things that we have said that we've asked about they have addressed in later things like in Hobbs and Shaw. When yes. we were, like leading up to Hobbs and Shaw, we've been like, oh, like there's things that like explicitly we've talked about, which we know is probably not the case because if like there there's no way that people would know about us yet. But anyway, I digress. And if I may. You were actually yeah. a part of a podcast where the cast of the thing you were podcasting specifically said that your lack of interest in the subject made your opinions the least offensive. Oh, was that the, the dude from Rap Battle you were talking to? Yeah. Generally, you were determined to be the least offensive for your complete divorced attitude. I don't know if I knew that. That's amazing. So, I yeah, I mean, okay. how little you cared really made them feel like you weren't <laughs> out to get them. Very cool. Okay. Okay. I mean, even though I was just like... I don't like this show. I don't like these people. I don't understand any of this. I, not for me. Like they like that the best. It okay. was at least the least offensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, good to know. But yeah, even like, but so in this case, like, it couldn't have even happen because not only does animation take too long and it's two days, but like the episode wasn't even out. So unless they had like bugged us, then done time <laughs> travel. It's impossible, but, you know. What do we keep saying? Time travel is next in this franchise. It has to well, be. did either of you think that mind control was a thing? Because, like, that was new to us. That caught that caught us off guard. Yeah, that was interesting. I, Not bad. I started this whole thing with, there's a fucking monkey now. I'm out. <laughs> and Kevin okay. was like, no, I'm in. And I was like, no, there's a monkey. I'm out. Ultimately, I found myself in for the monkey. I loved Ms. Nowhere getting an absurd increase which she needed yes it was like somebody said you guys missed a lot of sjw points you could have picked up like it's not like somebody said you did bad before it's like somebody said hey if you're going through this playthrough we've hidden sjw coins all over the map <laughs> get them 
in that regard, one of the most, I don't want to call it a pleasant surprise to Joe and me, but like the biggest surprise overall, and I want to hear your thoughts about this, is that this season seems to be setting up Echo as the future of this mini little franchise. Like everything Tony is like effectively gone from this show, and it seems like this is Echo's house to run. And I think it's so cool to have a young Latinx woman as the lead of this show. I think that's awesome. Let Letty lead. One of the things that that actually backs up in a really significant way that I, I hope is true, that does mean Tony can enter the like live action franchise. Really? You know, How so? Well, because then Echo can remain in charge of this. Oh, oh, that's okay. a good point. Yeah. He won't be, because like one of the things that I try to explain when we're talking about comics and stuff, unless it's that person's home book, unless it's that character's main writer, it's unlikely that that writer is going to have permission to do something significant to that character. If this is Tony's show, whatever happens to him in the films, because of the nature of animation, would either have to be well planned out with enough time to animate around it, or has to be immaterial to the show by upgrading him out i mean we didn't even get a single yeah no cameos this season that no, was no very cameos. disappointing with that in mind tony could become the cameo in this upgrade to fast and furious second shift echo can remain the one in charge we were thinking they were accelerating echo raising her up to maybe put her into the letty led franchise i would love that either one yeah yours i think yours makes a little bit more sense because you can't have too many main drivers that would kind of like diminish letty's role in her own film i guess she could like be in it but you're right like echo needs to like run this shit and like that needs to be her wheelhouse and like her own story it gives her it puts her behind the steering wheel if you will Exactly. So before we get too far into the specifics of the show, I would love to hear what you guys think of the series or this this season overall. Kevo, what about you? Like, how did this compare to what you had maybe been hoping for? Because we last we ended the last episode with like wish list, and I don't know that any of us really got our wish list, even though like kind of you know like gloves to control cars, we didn't get that, but we did get sticky gloves like for Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, so yeah. kind of close. And we got the mini drones. We got the mini drones. Kevo, what did you think of this season overall? How did it compare to what you were hoping for, what you expected out of a season two of a show like this? You know, just overall initial impressions. I guess I would say the thing I'm most disappointed by from this season is the lack of connective tissue to the film franchise. Was that actually a set from the films that they were in at one point? They mentioned that it was Dom's safe house. Yeah, from five. That's cool. I think that's cool that it's like they, they tried to use that same set. But other than that, there's not really a lot of connectivity yep. to the films like season one which was disappointing something i appreciated is that they really won me over with layla which i didn't think was possible because i tend to find her so obnoxious yeah <laughs> they did a decent job of winning her back for me i i did like layla a bit more this season so as much as they didn't overtly give us a lot of things from the main franchise this time there's a lot there's still a lot of like hints and nods and i was just disappointed that there wasn't as many cameos as the, or there wasn't any cameos right and kind of the, the the place that joe and i landed and i would love to hear if, if you guys think the same is that it feels like what could have been exciting like they go back to a place 
that we have literally been before with like possibilities for connections and character returns and whatever and you know so on and so forth but it feels like in a sense these sort of short-term frustrations of not having like connective tissue like you said kevo will maybe lead to long-term gains because they're more firmly establishing these characters and the setting and the team as opposed to being like hey it's dom hey it's tesh hey it's letty or whatever listen up uggos I think part of it is that no one laughs at Uggos. Okay. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Not so, out loud. <laughs> I think what this season suffered from was sort of sophomore syndrome. It needed to reinforce all of the things it set up in the first season, give everybody everything that the critics or the feedback said was missing from the first season. It needed to do it in a way that frequently is adaptive. You have that first season plan in mind and you make that first season sort of in a vacuum. But then all of a sudden you're sitting at the precipice of your second season and you have all this feedback and now you know you want to increase Miss Nowhere's role and maybe that was even the point maybe you were always going to increase ms nowhere's role but you find yourself responding and you can't help but respond because that's what a good artist does they respond to feedback whether it's with a direct i'm going to change my shit or it's a no i'm going to leave it as is i think this suffered from reacting to season one interesting because we we anticipated more that they're they're pivoting to give season three, like to kind of distance themselves to have more freedom in season three. So kind of the same idea that like, you know, they were reacting and adjusting, but they were also like starting to make the, like turn the corner to be like, okay, these are going to be their own full characters. And like, that's why we don't get the cameos and things like that. I really feel like that's a pivot in the wrong direction though. I was Mm. talking to my friend Tris about doing this for this podcast, they said to me that they tried watching Spy Racers because we're both gay and we both find Tyler Posey attractive. (laughs) And they just, they they couldn't get through it. And I said, well, do you like the Fast and Furious movies or are you a child? No to either of those questions. (laughs) Then this show is not really for you. Right. And, And that's okay. Not everything is made for every person. But I feel as though by trying to make it its own thing, you are then pivoting away from Fast Furious fans. And if that's what you want to do and you feel is the better move, that's fine. But if that's the direction they're going to keep heading in, I would not, as a fan, enjoy that. Okay, And I feel like part of what they filled their time with were were clams. What does that mean? Uh, Clams are a joke that you know what you're getting. When you see a clam... You open it up, you know what's inside. That's what a clam joke is. It's the setup where you know the payoff, what it's going to be. And they don't smell fresh. They don't seem fresh. So a clam is an old writer's room term for a stale joke. A great example of a clam from episode two is when Echo warns Tony not to use those branches because they specifically will attract the certain kind of fly. And then when they do attract the certain kind of fly, he says, well, why didn't you tell me that? In the second to last episode when somebody says, Tony, duck. And he goes, ducks? I love ducks. Like, (laughs) guys, come on. Like, that's fragile. I think what is interesting in that regard, uh, because those are dumb jokes. Those are just kids jokes, right? Those are like jokes that are meant to make kids laugh, I think. What's a weird, kind of cool, maybe, if we're giving the benefit of the doubt, thing that they do this season, they write Tony out because they're like, Tony, we don't need someone to recklessly and stupidly drive into a situation and like cause all kinds of trouble. Like, and they, they even know say it, yeah. That Tony is bad at things. 
I don't know why they're choosing to characterize him as like a dumb guy instead of like redeeming him and making him a worthwhile component of the team. Like it feels like they over course corrected here in a strange way. It's just characterization that Posey can't get away from. That's really? A, that's a bummer then. That's yeah, nice. that's unfortunately essentially what they did to his character on Teen Wolf. He was a great leader uh, out of nowhere and young and developed into a strong, a strong figurehead. And he ultimately has to keep relearning the same lessons about trusting his team over and over again. You know, what I loved about the first season was sort of an unoffensive charm. What I like about the second season is that I already like the characters from the first season. What I don't like about the second season, I think, is the need to effectively diminish some of the achievements of the first season. I understand that in terms of writing, it's hard to avoid the cyclical narrative of sort of course of structure. You really can't help that every time you make your character so powerful that they can't be stopped, you have to find a way to bring them back down, or you have to keep upping the stakes. And you can True. only up the stakes so many times. Well, I can't wait for you guys to get to the next three movies in the franchise, because like they are running into that same problem. Yeah, it's actually one of the things that I love about Rey in Star Wars. Every time she does have a big breakthrough in terms of power, there is a complication that takes her back a few steps, and that's the hero's journey sort of cyclical cycle. They get a new ability, they don't know how to use it, or it's dangerous, or yeah. they can't use it till they trust themselves. With this show, they wanted to keep going further, but instead they said we can, it's a kid's show. We can use this as an opportunity to clean up some character stuff, to elevate some character stuff, but I think... It was a well-meaning waste of time. I wish I could take the first two seasons and cut them down to 12. I would probably have expanded some of the stuff from season one into season two. But at the end of the day, there really wasn't enough going on in Rio for me to blame anything on anything. So then my question to you, and it's, it sounds like I might have an answer, but did you like this season? Were you disappointed by the season? Or perhaps the most damning question of all, did this season make you like the first season less? I honestly find myself kind of indifferent to this season. I would probably give the first season a B for effort, but a a B minus for quality. I would probably give this a B minus for effort and like a B minus for quality. I don't really find myself anything by this season, but I think that's actually a statement on Fast and Furious and why it has to evolve so frequently. You can only get so much out of the trope of vroom vroom, I'm the car now. You can only take that as far as you can take it. So I think they tried not to advance the concept of the TV show. I guess they were just trying not to lose seven-year-olds. So what about the season did you like? Like, I know that you were messaging us and you there are certain things that you even said things about Layla, liking Layla more, but... What about this, both of you, Nico, Kevo, what did you like about the season? Before we get into some maybe ways that they could have improved it, or changed things, or removed things, or remixed things, or whatever, what did you guys like? What did you enjoy about season two? Not to be like a, a curmudgeon or anything, I don't think I have any of that latter stuff that you just mentioned. I don't know what I would change, or what I would remove, or what I would add. I feel okay. like I feel like this was a two-parter that lasted eight episodes, mm. and that's really the heart of it so what i loved was the additional characterization what i loved was getting to see ms nowhere developed her face off with echo was terrific and then when she just uh gets herself out of the quicksand that they gave her a fucking hamilton reference yes that she said that we we're outgunned outmanned like that was just the shit other than that though they're just it's not that this was a bad season but i kind of nothing it i liked the new villain though okay 
Santa Rafaela? Yeah, I found her motivation a bit pedestrian. It's not very different from the season one villain, but the character herself was dramatically different enough from the season one villain enough that I liked her a lot. Yes. I would like to talk about her because there was a particular element of the character that we kind of refrained from because I think it tied into a couple different things that we talked about in the first season. She is sexualized in a way in this show that the other characters aren't, that it felt like, and if I'm remembering right in the first season, you guys talked about how Shashi was kind of sexualized with his bulge and his glow bass and this and that and whatever. She is drawn in a way to, like, she makes jokes about, like, is this one piece too form-fitting or just the right amount? Like, she is sexual and, like, curvy in a way that I feel cartoons generally aren't. And that might be just me not being experienced, but, like, I want to know about that, not only just the character development, but the actual physical representation of her, what you guys thought about that, and if that was a good thing or an interesting thing, or if there were misses there, too. You know, this actually came up in a recent panel we did for New York Comic Con with the Exes for Podcast team. I commented that one of the biggest things is there's this new bad guy in Wolverine right now named Solemn. And everyone loves this character. I'm, I'm included. I don't want to, but I do. And everybody's like, oh, he's got to be a little bit panner bisexual. Like, he's super attracted to Wolverine. So, like, even if just as I want to kill this guy so hard, like, he's sexually attracted to murdering this guy in some ways. I was like, but, you know, is, is that really a good thing? And one of the guys on the podcast, Rod, really fun, just goes, you can want to be a gay bad guy, too. And I was just like, oh, you know, yeah, I... If she was the only depiction of a strong woman, if she was the only woman from a corrupt background, and we were shown, look how weak she is, that she can't overcome her vanity, sure. But she's actually the exception. All of the other women on this show are driven by a need to show that they are living their best life. Raffaella was... She was the only one as dumb as Tony. The rest of the women were a serious cut above. Is Raffaella problematic? <sighs> You know, it's hard to say that something's problematic when it's the only problematic element in a show that is otherwise capable of such depictions of strong women. You know, you're not, un you know, just because only one song has the F word in it three times, that doesn't mean that the album doesn't get the parental advisory sticker, you know? Right. So I guess, yeah, she is problematic, but she's problematic in a way that when contrasted with the other characters, it supports why they are not problematic. I like that she's sexy. I like that she's voluptuous. I like that she's curvaceous. I maybe wish she wasn't a raving psychopath, but it isn't a problem because there are all of these other well-earned depictions. Having one sort of offensively dumb female supervillain is okay because of the number of dumb men. That's a great way to look at it. That, that makes total sense to me. Like, do you think that they would have been able to get away with it if the season wasn't seemingly about Echo? Like, if it was, a, if it was the same kind of spy racers where it's like tony doing his thing and sh and cisco doing his thing and it, it feels like them making an evil villain like i think to what you were saying before is it because they were able to focus so much on echo that they were able to make another woman like a strong woman bad well i mean echo and ms nowhere both got such significant upgrades i do have some issues with the mind control stuff mind control removes agency removing agency is problematic but considering also tony had his agency taken from him and even frosty did in a sort of harmless way more of the problems just lie in the ethical treatment of yoga addicts uh, of yoga addiction i think that's <laughs> i think that's the actual problematic story we have to talk about here were you disappointed by the lack of seemingly yet lack of yoga in this season it's like they stirred up all of their yoga points to use them at the end 
But actually, yes. there were like Yoka boxes and Yoka crates in the background of Rio throughout the episodes. Yeah, it was so weird. I, we, we were saying that, you know, when you guys pointed it out, the like the different the shift change when they had like Yoka and like the commercials and things like that in the last season Like we get none of those in this season. And we were like, damn, like now we were kind of like looking for this. So I mean, I have to assume that the production team read the reviews, saw what worked, saw what didn't, saw what got strong feedback from online and then said, what does it cost? What is it worth? Mm. If not enough people said it was worth it, then they're not going to do it. But if enough people are like, I want it, perhaps they'll do it. I thought a lot of the animation looked vaguely walking dead. The, uh, you know, the, the dramatic animations they kept cutting to. Yes. Cause the zombie, the mind control zombie type things. I thought it all looked very, uh, that very severe kind of image comics look, which has become pervasive throughout our pop culture. So it was like stick to one kind of thing. I don't know. I, I actually don't think this was a bad season. Like, I don't think it was bad, but Season one showed that it could be something special, and this just didn't have that same special vibe. You know, I really liked the upgrade on Cisco. He got to be a, the strong guy a couple times. I liked how much Frosty's science kept mattering, so it wasn't just like, oh, look, we have a smart person of color. It was like, no, we have a person of color who saves the fucking day. Echoverse nowhere remains like the fucking bomb shit. I really never felt the characters were in danger, and I know that sounds dumb on a cartoon, but like, no. if you watch Avatar, you genuinely believe any of them could die anytime. No, I mean, that's just narrative stakes. Like, you need whatever you're watching, you need to feel like we were talking about on a recent episode of this show about the show lost and about how like the biggest detriment to any kind of dramatic tension is happiness like characters can't be happy characters can't be complacent like they can't just be content if you have contentness there's no conflict if you have no conflict then like what are you watching that's the same thing gilligan's island you need need to have danger you need to have peril the mind control does kind of it is stakes but they don't feel that much in danger right there's no impending doom coming from the mind control other than like they're gonna like lose control of the the planet to Rafaela. but like they're not gonna get hurt from the mind control we've already established that that they're just like under mind control so what would you like to see in season three like i you know we asked at the end of the first episode and i don't want we're not at the end here but we were talking about how the first season kind of ends in a way it's like oh that could be self-contained and then this one very clearly ends with they literally say what's next. So like we're going to continue this unless nobody watches this, right? What I would really like is and Kevo knows this is always coming whenever I talk about anything like fiction that I love where I'm giving an opportunity to write into it. I always pitch like Metacon. So Tony's like, "Hey guys, I just got this invitation to be part of this super cool like car competition and you know, I only got it because I'm like Dom's cousin. So you guys better be pretty cool to me about this." Because you're obsessed with Contest of Champions. Because I'm obsessed with Contest of Champions, and inherently I love the idea of a convocation of people with similar interest enjoying that similar interest. They get there, and, you know, Tony's expecting to be like, big shit, cool leather jacket. And it turns out that everybody is someone's cousin. And he has to realize that he's actually not a big fish in a big pond. He's actually like a medium fish in like a pretty medium pond. Everybody who's special has a cousin. They have a lot of cousins, as a matter of fact. Being special isn't even that special anymore. So knowing someone special, that's just not enough, Tony. I would love it if like Ms. Nowhere was like, Yes, I have a famous cousin. Of course I do. You never asked if I could drive. You know, got to be like, you know, badass behind the wheel. And it would give them an opportunity to introduce cousin characters and sibling characters and uncles and grandchildren and grandfathers. And you would be able to introduce sort of a planeteers for 
the Fast and Furious, and you would even then be able to do spin-off seasons. Random Fast and Furious car people. And frankly, that would probably satisfy my desire for more connection to the film franchise. Yeah, like if you had like Tej's little cousin or yeah. stuff like that, just... Absolutely. That's where I thought they could go this season. Remember, I, I thought yeah. that Tej would fit in so perfectly with like Frosty's interests and family, right? Like, I think that he would fit in here and just, we talked about that a little bit last time, but yeah, like yeah. It, it, the, the, the ability is there. What I will say though, while, you know, I think you, you would like to see more of Ms. Nowhere, and while we don't get more of her, like she is new to the franchise, new to the cartoon, but we get more in the ballpark, kind of adjacent sort of to that in Furious 7. So you would have seen it by now if we had, you know, adhered to the calendar originally, but when this came out, we, we, we mixed things up. And so you're going to get a little bit more kind of connective tissue and not a cool, smart, whatever cousin, but something close-ish to that. Ms. Nowhere! She is yes. such a great character, man. One question that I, I had that we, we touched on kind of at length in our episode when Joe and I recorded about season two was one thing that we had discussed when we talked about Tokyo Drift was about how Joe and I thought that that was like such a shining example of like showing off the culture of Tokyo. And you guys were like, well, maybe not exactly. Maybe it missed the points. And Nico, I think you were especially critical of it. And I was wondering if you had thoughts on how this movie incorporated Brazilian culture in a way seemingly better than Fast Five did, or if you thought that it was still kind of lacking. Because I think that between the food and the capoeira and being able to see like the Amazon and whatever, like it felt like there was more here, but I'd love to hear your take on that. Well, I mean, number one, there was like food all over the place. Number two, it has to do with how seriously you take the value of the subject matter in terms of the mold it's casting. Fast and Furious goes to Tokyo and deals in the very real world of Tokyo street racing an underground society that results in death and gun running. And I'm sure there's people that do it just for the fun of like, I had friends that did competitive DDR. I was like, oh, you guys do this? Because they would go to the arcades and they would do it. And I was like, oh, so you guys do it for fun, right? I I, I shit you not, direct quote, I'm Asian, I do nothing for fun. (laughs) I was like, "You're, you're really like so, well, no, that was a side point tangent. Anyway, you can probably cut the DDR thing. But so, okay. Um, <laughs> so it depends on how seriously you take something. You know, like there are people who competitively DDR for joy. And then there were my friends in high school who competitively DDR'd like someone had to die. I'm sure there is somebody who does like my version of controller based DDR in underground street racing out in Tokyo. But from what I understand, it's not the friendliest. When you're trying to tap into that, that world, a world that actually is filled with crime. And gun running and possibly murder. I just don't know the situation well enough, but I know that most underground mafias are not the kindest. (laughs) When you're bringing up the Yakuza and you're summoning those ideas, that takes a little bit more concentrated understanding and sincerity of subject. But when you're talking about the energy drink mind control underground super monkey industry of Rio, I think you get to be a little bit punchier about it. This avoided a more problematic sensibility by just not caring enough about what it was in the first place. In the Fast and the Furious movies, a lot of the times they go to a place. The setting of the place that they're in sometimes gets lost because of how grandiose the film is and the plot and the action sequences. So like when we see them go to Rio, they don't really use Rio as a character. It just becomes like, oh, they're doing car things in Rio, or they're doing car things in London. And it's, and like, you get like a little bit of the culturings, 
but not anywhere near to give it exposition. So like here, we were like, oh, they actually are trying to incorporate some more Brazilian things as opposed to just being like they're doing spy racers in Rio. Yeah, I see that. I think the truth lies in between the first and the 40th drink on this one because I think it, it is a little bit what you're saying as well. And I, I do have to be fair about that. And I don't expect exactly this, but if you're going to go to Miami in the second one and you're going to be dealing with the angsty rage of the Latino community, you at least have to talk about how Hurricane Andrew led to Democrats promising tons of FEMA money, it never coming through, and suddenly, you know, the estates are all red. If you're going to go to Miami and you're going to claim to understand the ethnographic demographics that like recreate the context for Miami culture and not talk about the political unrest amongst Latinos and Cubans in Miami, well, you're like kind of missing the point here. They really were like, oh, children that this is for. Here is a zoo books level understanding of Rio. Hi, I'm Randy McNally, and I'm going to be taking you on a tour of Rio. Your buffer has to work. Your buffer has to work. Your buffer has to work. De Janeiro. (laughs) And, like, <laughs> that's really what I, you know, it's just harmless. Because I feel like with the with the movies that you have not seen yet, like, we've been to London with you guys, we've been to Tokyo, we've been to Rio, there's more places that we're going, never really get a sense of, like, place. And while this is kind of intro level, and I think that you're, you're spot on with that, it feels more so of a place than a lot of the other movies. Just it, it, it struck me, and we had the conversation about it, and I think Joe articulated it well. Like, it struck me, like, how, how kind of how, like, not poorly, but just, like, how apathetic the franchise is overall to, like, this, the sense of place. Yeah, it's all just a big track. It's like Mario Kart, and exactly. you're just putting it in Bowser's Castle, or you're just putting it on Rainbow Road. Yeah. Was there anything else about this season in particular that you guys wanted to cover? Any, you know, storylines or new characters or anything at all that I feel like, like, it almost feels like this, it's it's not bad. Like, I think if you guys hated it, there'd be more to talk about, but it feels like you were just kind of both a little blasé about it, which kind of makes them the most difficult thing to talk about on a podcast, but... Any other topics of this of this show you guys wanted to cover? If I had anything, it's that I do feel like season two was stretching for time. It's something that I do when I'm on a podcast where I know my co-hosts are feeling a little unsure of themselves. I set up all of my sentences, like sort of not in the order I would set it up. If I'm trying to get somebody to think about something, I introduce a question. I follow it up with a couple of strong dynamic statements. And then I introduce another question to get them thinking about it again. If I know my people are kind of nervous... I stretch for time after I give them the question I want them to answer. So what did you guys think about Rio? You know, just I want to remind you guys that Rio has a strong gambling culture. It has a strong (laughs) sense of how the people of Rio celebrate who they are. And, you know, being a South American country, it's important to remember that Brazil plays by slightly different rules than America. So (laughs) what I'm asking you guys is when you think about Brazil, did this fit your idea of Brazil? And when I can tell people are nervous, I jump in with because I know I was kind of thrown by it a little bit. Like I expected one thing, but I got something else and i guess that's what being thrown is joey were you that thing too <laughs> oh yeah that thing too and also brazilian and south america and gambling yes nico i this is my idea this is my point we just wrote season three of spy racers by season two <laughs> standards and that's the only real negative i have I'm, I'm back in because i love the cast and i love the franchise so i'm back in for season three but if season three doesn't do something to tickle my fancy it i'm just buying time makes sense one thing that i was explaining is a strong term because i don't even know that i have the details right but like one thing i was saying to joe is that because the lead time 
in getting to animation is so long, it's likely the case that like at least the first two seasons were greenlit before any drawing or any animation took place, just because I don't know that they could have turned around an entire season, especially in the year of COVID, in the 10 months since the first season came out. So I would imagine that the first two seasons were greenlit. So there might be even be like a third season. I would imagine we're going to get more, but I also wouldn't necessarily be surprised because Netflix seems to love to cancel things after either like the second or third season. I find that for the most part, orders are a little different than you might think, like an episode order. Oftentimes they'll order 13, they'll see that it did well, and they'll say, go ahead and do the back five. Or they'll order 10, they'll say eight are for season one, start two of season two, and if season one does well, we'll give you the back six. And that shorter turnaround time with a lot more repetitive backgrounds, yeah, actually. Uh, You know, season one had a lot more dramatic, dynamic contrasted backgrounds season one had to introduce a lot of character models season one needed more time this used fewer character models Raffaella we kept thinking Raffaella and Layla were going to be siblings the whole time we thought that she was going to be a long lost mm-hmm. princess because they look so fucking similar just one of them has a little bit more volup to her choice this re- relied on a lot of like generic jungle backgrounds to get through a lot of sequences mm-hmm. so I would actually buy that this was produced with about 10 months lead time they were given the go-ahead on produce two that we might throw out because that's cheap enough to deal with and when they saw that season one did okay they said all right guys jump in on those other six but make sure you keep it fast keep it tight that would even explain why the first episode feels like one thing the second episode is the setup on the rio shit and then everything else took place in rio that's what joe was saying too yep he felt like it felt like two things or maybe just like a prelude to another thing right yeah. I guess there's really no way to know if we're going to get a, a season three because, like, Netflix doesn't really release numbers. And, like, do you think we'll get a season three? Like, with. with... I think so. I mean, I, at the bare minimum, think we'll get a third season of a Fast and the Furious cartoon, even if it's the Young Dom Chronicles, which I'm telling you, if that was produced by men.com, would be a very different video series. <laughs> but I think we might get the Young Dom Chronicles, or we might get Letty Behind the Wheel, Brian's Song. You know, we might get something. Any other thoughts about this or you want to play a couple games? You know what? I'll I'll say one last thing. There were no cars in this. There was a key car reference from the first season. And there's a race through the streets of Rio. But there were no cars in this. Like, one of the things about Fast and Furious is the car is the soul of the racer. The gas in the car is the heart that is family or whatever. Letty has brain damage or something. But the cars were just so unfucking important in this movie about cars. That was something yes. I said at the beginning of this. Please don't let Layla have amnesia like Letty, I swear to God. And she kind of does. And she didn't really, though. I actually, for as much as literally as soon as Frosty blew the thing up, I immediately understood it was a mind control formula. I actually didn't even think that Layla was being mind controlled until like the episode where they're chasing her down in the giant truck because like mm. she can just be evil. So it yes. could have just been that. Does anybody remember what happened to the tech control helmet? Because I must have missed it if they mentioned it at all. No, but also one thing that they just completely erased was the gum. Remember the gum they spent two and a half minutes explaining and then they're just like, oh my God, the gum's never actually going to come back. I wonder if maybe they thought there was a possibility they were going to get a 10 episode pickup and that was going to be two more episodes. Possibly. This show is great at dropping narrative threads. And that's not something you want to be great at. No, we're world-class fuck-ups. (laughs) don't leave us in the driver's seat i feel like a lot of your jokes like i make just make me smile they don't make me laugh and like that doesn't come across on the podcast i enjoy them all i just don't 
audibly enjoy them all. So I I appreciate that. At, at, at my heart of hearts, if there was anything I could be, I would be a lovable variety show host. And if I could do anything, I just want to make people's days a little bit brighter with a chuckle. It doesn't always have to be laugh out loud because like when I hear the audience explosively laugh out loud at a Jimmy Fallon joke, I know that's not real. Kevin and I go to live tapings of game shows because that's what I do with my adult life. One of the things is, I mean, like he is like a precious, precious princess. The match game audience hype guy has not changed in a year and a half. He is this very SoCal, very WeHo, Twinkie comedy queen. And I kind of love him. He's got this really scratchy voice. Like the only reason most of us applaud is so that he'll stop screaming in our face. It's not his fault. That's his job. He is the hype guy. He is Alec Baldwin's hype guy, which I usually would think uh, has a much more oral job than this. But so he's (laughs) the guy who goes around getting everybody psyched. In a perfect world, I would just get to have my nice little vaudeville show, my nice little variety hour, and no one would have to laugh unnaturally. I don't need a hype guy. I just want to bring a little happiness. That's all. You do. For me, too. You do. Yeah. I like how gently you both said that. You do. Like we're all Bonnie Bedelia on a Lifetime movie. It would go against the entire premise of all this if like we if we like laughed uproariously. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Nothing if not for a bit. Kevo, any other final thoughts about Spy Racers Rio? No. I was glad it was monkey pee instead of monkey poo. I was expecting the special ingredient to be poo. Pee is a little bit less gross. A little bit. Cool. All right. Let us play some games then. Let's play first up this Ain't No 10 Second Race, a.k.a. Boy Do We have a podcast for you. So, uh, Nico, I saw you sent two tweets through already. Sure did. So let me first review last episode's tweets. I actually went to go send you more than that. And every tweet that I found, I then noticed the show thread button. And I clicked show thread, and I sure enough found that the only other tweet in the thread was us. Already? Yeah. (laughs) That's why, like, I'm a little surprised that, like, there was a season two, because it doesn't seem like there's a ton of people talking about this, but hey, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, we have six from last time, that's right, because Nico sent through four, so we'll have to figure out what happens there if there's points. We'll see. So I found last time N at NZ Moody, which I th- I don't remember this being the handle. Maybe it was. I don't know. This is only a week ago, so maybe they changed it. I don't know. I said, they're our favorites too. Boy, do we have a podcast for you? Nothing. Meanies. Joe, you found Emily at Serve Me the Sky. I'm paying for HBO Max with the intention of watching Lovecraft Country and Watchmen, yet every night I find myself watching Fast and Furious Spy Racers or Supermarket Sweep. That's all I have the mental capacity for. And then we said, we love Spy Racers and Supermarket Sweep too. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. And as we know from the last episode, you got one point. Perfect. Congratulations, Joe 2. Now you can Dangerous be Joe 2-1. 2.1. I upgraded. Ooh. Nico, you found Tyler Posey at Tyler G. Posey telling someone about his next project, Fast and Furious Spy Racers, a red cartoon I did for Netflix. Comes out the day after Christmas, so I expect you all to watch it before the new year. We love you, and boy do we have a podcast for you. Unfortunately, nothing. What? I, he's 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 preparing his response. I will say that the official, oh boy, the official Twitter handle for Spy Racers, at Spy Racers, is following no one, 
only has 115 followers, I clicked on it, this account is temporarily restricted. You're seeing this warning because there's been some unusual activity. Do you still want to view it? And then there's only four promotional tweets, and that's it. So I don't know what the hell is going <laughs> on with this account, but if that's an indication of the popularity of the show... They probably just like Tyler, fan, Tyler Posey's OnlyFans, where he plays guitar naked. Maybe. Kevo, you found Bacon Nico at We Are Bacon Nico. Pop quiz, see if you can catch which songs I'm singing in Netflix's Spy Racers. Gonna go hide my blankets now. Okay, thanks, bye. Here's a hint. Yoga, 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 yoga! And then a gif of her putting a box on her head. Or someone. We love Spy Racers, we love Yoka, and we love your music. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. It got a like, but not from this person. However... Kevo, I'm going to give you points because Ryan Lofty, at DJ Ryan Lofty, liked it and then followed us. Whoa! His bio is music producer, composer, songwriter (gasps) for Netflix's Fast and Furious, Nickelodeon's The Crystal Maze, DreamWorks, Cleopatra in Space, and Harvey Girls Forever. So someone unconnected to our game saw this, liked it, and followed us. So, Kevo, I'm going to give you six points. Like, you failed wow. in the game, but you won in the game. I'll take it. Yes. And it's, it's yeah. a composer. That's like your shit jam. That's like... Yeah, yeah, that's like extra me points. So, Kevo, you were up to seven points, which skyrockets you into a tie for, I think, fourth or fifth? Yeah. I think fifth, yeah. Huge so you're, jump. That was a huge jump. Huge jump. Yeah, yeah. The two bonus tweets. Aaron Kaufman at Just Tank, watching Fast and Furious Spy Racers with my kid. Pretty impressed how they adapted this for a younger age and older at the same time. The style's awesome. Boy, do we have a podcast for you and your kid, maybe, except probably not nothing. And then the other bonus tweet from Pablo at Dirty Sketch, which was some concept art for the show. You did some great work on the show. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. But Joe got a point. Kevo got six. Yeah. Big showing. I'm especially disappointed by Tyler Posey because I literally just saw an interview with him today talking about why he joined OnlyFans, where he talked about how he tries to respond to every fan. And I'm like, well, you don't. (laughs) 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 We followed you from Teen Wolf now to Car Wolf or whatever. And (laughs) we're Teen Car, whatever you are. (laughs) We knew Made in Manhattan existed. J-Lo gave him a PlayStation. Oh, shit. Is he in Made in Manhattan? Are you kidding? Yeah, he's the kid. He's J-Lo's kid in that movie. Oh, oh man. I haven't thought about that movie in forever for At some reasons. pally panel, uh, one of the audience members jokingly asked, what was harder on you as an actor? All the hours getting werewolf makeup put on or working with J-Lo? And Tyler Posey very sweetly like, and very confusedly was like, I don't know what you're talking about. J-Lo was really nice. She bought me an Xbox. Uh. <laughs> Nico, you sent two tweets in. Do you have one that you prefer for yourself or one for Kevo? I believe the first one is for Kevo. The second is for me. Okay, so we will go with Kevo's first from E at Creative K Hid. God damn it. I just found this tweet too. God damn It's a great tweet. Go ahead. Yeah, he's a terrible up. leader, LOL. Like second episode, oh, he got no. them chased by the police and stuck in the damn jungle when they should have got back to the highway. Let Echo lead. Hashtag Spy Racers. That's... An awesome tweet. Go ahead. I'm going to respond to this. Say, boy, do we have a podcast for you? And I'm going to say, hashtag, let Echo lead. I had a different tweet from the same account saying, Echo from Fast and the Furious Spy Racers is really that girl kicking people's ass in a green wig. I have to stay in. I was going to use that one. I'm find another one. But that's awesome. I'm glad we were on the same page. Right? We're so about this person's views. Yeah, exactly. Or they're the only person on Twitter tweeting about the series. Uh, one hey, or the other. Hey, 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 hey. Well, most of the ones I was able to find were like, comic book now, review of the season. So, Nico, you found Markon Karn at Vert Viper watching the first Fast and Furious right now, and the acting is still so funny. 
I love this shit. Granny shifting, not double clutching like you should. There was mass cops every direction. It was orchestrated. I really never appreciated how good all the line delivery was in this. Just endless quotables because of that. That that was pretty much my play-by-play of the first movie. A couple times during the first movie, I'm pretty sure that Kevin went, This is a kid with a Hot Wheels car! <laughs> I'm going to say, this is our play-by-play of the first movie, too. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Cool. I got one. Um, I'm using the last one in this thread, but I'm going from Caro at Caro Bucks. It's from um, October 9th. She apparently watched all of season two of Fa- uh, Spy Racers. And her last tweet was, well, that was an abrupt ending, but another great season. I miss Sashi. Boy, do we have three <laughs> no. episodes of this podcast for you. <laughs> Wait, they're walking away with all the wrong things. <laughs> But she seems excited about it, so hopefully she will listen. <laughs> There's like 20 tweets in this thread. There's probably more. There's so you like... only say, boy, do we have a podcast and three episodes. For, yeah. B, hashtag PFYA2020 at Rookie underscore 99. Hashtag Spy Racer season two on Netflix. Let's go. Like, seriously, going to watch it in Vroom Vroom. And then it's a <laughs> gif of Magnitude from Community, who we talked about a lot last episode. Just going, pop, pop. Boy, do we. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that very much relates, wow. All right, so that's cool. That is all out into the world. Hopefully one of them will like it. Hopefully we'll keep this up because we have just another one-week turnaround because next week you guys are coming back for Furious 7. Assuming we can get those schedules aligned. So yes. we're going to have another quick turnaround next week. We'll see what happens. Although I do feel like if they don't like the tweet tonight, they're not going to like it, but you know. I obsessively love chefs and I celebrity chef tweeted after I saw one of my all-time favorite celebrity chefs on Family Feud and she liked it the mm-hmm. next day. Susan Finnegar yes, liked my tweet, so I, like, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> That's awesome. Our final game is, dude, what's my car? Dude, what? My car. What? Your car, dude. This is where people send in car pictures. If you have a car picture, you want us to guess, family at cageclub.me. We are going to do the oldest one right now. It is from June 16th. This is from Jerry Robinson. Subject line, 10-second car, episode 100 style. So I think he sent this in while listening to our episode 100. Okay. Uh, he says he passes by this dealership every Thursday. Cars all over the place. Ooh. Ah. It is British, and it is from 1994, and it is a very famous car. It's an Aston Martin. No. No. Okay. There are no other British cars. Everything else is just T. <laughs> yeah. T, crumpets, and Aston Martins. Yeah. And Bly Manor. Joe, do you want to uh, take a shot in the dark here? No, keep going. Describe it a little bit. Okay. It is a sports car. Yeah. It is a beautiful the car looks like it's on a downward angle from back to front. Like, the way that it's designed aesthetically with the sides, it looks like it's high in the back. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's silver. Does that help? Yes. So yes. are you saying the okay. car has its ass up? Face down, ass up. That's the, like, that's the way it likes to drive? <laughs> to exhaust? Fantasizing that I had it. That car sweating with its ass up. Uh. <laughs> By the way, I've been singing for the last week since we recorded... Uh, I know my car like I know my own mind. Like I just like that one line that you sang. Like I don't. I'm not even saying the Hamilton thing. I'm just singing your parody of Hamilton. Thank you, because you know what? That actually ties into the things you love. And like I don't think you're like all about like the Federalist Papers. Like I don't think that's like you're laying in bed and you're like fuck. Yeah, but oh, I also don't like cars. Party. Like I, you know, the Federalist Papers <laughs> are not wildly behind cars in my ranking, my power ranking of favorite things. But your show is something you love, and it's a labor of love, and it was something that happened on your show and it created a happy memory true it's very true i think i know what it is go for it is it a jaguar nope damn like it looks like it's from the 90s like this does have an aesthetic but it also kind of feels sort of modern ish sort of 
future retro kind of. Is it a famous car brand? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And this model in particular, I think, is famous as well. The top yeah. of the car is like, there's like a, oh boy, I don't know if it's in a... Uh, is it a Lotus? No. More famous than that. There's like, there's like, it looks like there's like a, something on the top that is like Our for Lotus aerodynamicism. Like okay. Like there's kind of like an indent, like a, not a divot, but like there looks like there's something designed Air. into the roof. Okay. It's a two-door car. The car, the doors look like triangles which I think factors into the downward slope of the car. Doors the front of the car kind of looks like Knight Rider. Yeah, I mean, it sounds okay. like you're describing a s'more that you can drive. <laughs> that would be delicious. No, All right, I want so, s'mores, God damn it! Now I'm trying to figure out what the fuck other British car... Like, it, it, it's a yeah. 007 Bond. Does he all, does Bond always drive Aston Martins? And Jaguars. I think he has Jaguars in some of them. I googled this brand and Bond, and the top hit is from Reuters, but it's about the Bond market. It has nothing to do with James Bond. What's the other English brand? Can you... Twinings. I can't tell you that because that's the, that's the game. I Twinings. Know. The other brand is Twinings. I mean, that might be a brand, but that's not what I'm trying to think of. It's a brand of tea. Oh, I knew that. What kind of fucking... What are the... Okay, Jaguar, Aston Martin... What English... I'm so I'm missing a huge English car brand then. I want to confirm that Jerry's right. Maserati, Mini Cooper. I know it's British. Yeah. Mini, yeah. Maserati's Italian. This was founded in the 80s. This brand was founded in the 80s. I don't know. I, I can't think of any other English car brands right now. It is named after a... Oh, no, not named after a person. What's it named after? Let's find out. Oh, it did. No, it wasn't. The founder The founder is, is named after a... Is it a McLaren? Yeah. Okay. Is it, no, that's uh, a Scotch. I'll have a McLaren neat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Never mind. Okay, McLaren. Is it a P1? Nope. But you're close. Uh, what's the other one? The P1's a super famous one, but I think it's newer than that. What's the older McLaren? I don't know. I don't know the the model number. F1. F1. Okay. So they went F1 and then P1 is the new one, I guess. That's cool. Let me yeah. See. Why the fuck couldn't I think of McLaren? Jesus. Yeah. And McLaren's the dude. He's racing in Ford versus Ferrari. You knew this. It's yeah, but like I drivers. can't, like I can't just say that. Like I can't. Wait, yeah, you're not fine. Ford and Ferrari. Oh, that, yeah, it's probably not about Henry Ford getting behind the wheel. God, I gotta go. <laughs> I like that Joe is basically getting angry at me for not spoiling the game. No, like, no, no. It's can't... fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I was saying like I could. I don't know how I couldn't think of McLaren. That's. I was more frustrated myself. I get it. Nope. I get it. Yes, but the McLaren F1. Let me put the picture in Discord. Yes, please. The sides are really fascinating to me. Like the downward slope is sort of cool. I don't know if it's like memorable or unique yeah yeah for sure and the door is like a triangle and it's it's really cool the p1 cool. is the new one which is really really cool too that's why i have that on the brain as opposed to the f1 but yeah well nico kevo thank you for joining us for another episode we have still to go furious 7 fate of the furious hobbs and shaw and the video game and then oh, our yeah. lab recap but we're, we're kind of nearing the end we just cleared this big hurdle in the middle and we got a lot more, but we're definitely in the back nine here, or insert car metaphor. We are pulling into that last spot at the top of the parking garage, that big parking garage in the sky. <laughs> we're all gonna go up to the. No. We're all gonna go up to the parking garage roof and drink something together. Is that what's about? Well, that's that's about to happen. McLaren, we're gonna drink McLaren scotch. That's exactly the reference I was going for. Nothing about Kool Aid <laughs> and Nikes. But thank you both for joining us once again. Can you please fill people in? Because we were saying at the intro of these episodes that our Comic-Con schedule has changed a bit. But can you please tell people where they could check you out if they want to know more about your live panels, anything that's going on now that people can listen to? This comes out Tuesday. So anything you want to plug, anything you want to promote, any other podcasts, any other panels, any other projects? As always, you guys can check us out all over this amazing network on shows like X's for Podcast and HTML, where we take a look at 
X-Men comics as well as whatever wonderful media franchise strikes our fancy at that point. Right now we're doing a deep dive into the Fantastic Four, feeling really good about it, having a great time torturing Joey with some mediocre superhero movies that were well-intentioned. We are actually going to be all over YouTube thanks to the amazing people at ReadPop and New York Comic Con sponsoring our panels. Wednesdays at 7 for the next few weeks, we're going to be running panels on X-Men and ultimately, kind of out of nowhere, concluding with a panel about Fast and Furious. And it's, well, you know, they were like, sell your brands. And we were on a Doctor Who show, so we did Doctor Who and it was inclusivity and it's our oeuvre is what it is. And you can also find me talking comics and taking my shirt off at Nico Action and I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N over on Twitter. Kevo, what would you like to add? Just that you can find me at Kevo Reilly on Instagram and Twitter, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. I guess Nico pretty much covered everything, so ciao, Uggos. <laughs> ciao, Uggos. Is that from this show? Yes, it's all Raffaella says. It's, she literally comes into every and leaves every conversation going, ciao, Uggos. It was the name of the season finale. I dropped the ball, but like I should have laughed at that earlier in the episode, but you know. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm so sorry, guys. I let you down. As long as you keep in the apology, it's fine. And, you know, oh, it's fine. Fun. We'll probably be on another lap at some point, and we'll get a chance whoa, to whoa, talk whoa, about it. Lap. We'll have to go back. Another? Okay, yes. We, we will. We should do, like, a 10-year anniversary. We just bring yeah. them back and redo the whole thing. Joe, on Friday, we were talking about Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, the Ooh. much later sequel to the original Universal Soldier, but apparently a badass action movie, so I'm very excited about that. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash forever or at forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at forever.com. Check out, if you are new to the Patreon and you want to know what's going on over there, I recently posted a link, a thing with links to the Fast and Furious Minute document, the Fast and Furious Minute quiz, and our themes for the next lap, next three laps. So all sorts of yes. stuff at Too Fast, Too Forever.com. Stickers, swag, merchandise, love and affection, and movie picks all over there. Thank you for listening, and thank you again to Nico and Kevo for joining us this whole lap and this episode thank in particular. Guys. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you.